freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Welcome back to our number two of episode 110, 110 episodes of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. Well, today we are talking about obstacles and launch pads. Those of us who seek to protect and preserve our Second Amendment rights face new obstacles each and every day. The politicians selfishly try to build their careers by stepping on our rights. The banks attempt to choke off the access to financial resources to firearms manufacturers and retailers. Hollywood entertainers speak nonsense into our ears attempting to change the culture of our nation to vilify guns. Neighbors and co-workers shame us by arrogantly preaching bumper sticker wisdom they heard on what used to be the nightly news, but is now more like a gossip mill. And high school students lecture us about how they, in their infinite wisdom, will fundamentally transform the Constitution, which the vast majority have never even read. These are our obstacles and our launch pads. These are our opportunities to begin a new conversation, to inspire others to think differently and learn for themselves. We are who future generations will look to in order to gain new insight into how we turned our trials into triumphs. And our show today, we have so many examples of people who have done just that. And our next guest is Tyler Izagari. He is the organizer of Heller 10 Rally and Banquet being held in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday, June 26th, the actual 10th anniversary of the landmark Supreme Court case, Heller versus D.C., which impacted the legal understanding of the Second Amendment of the United States Constitution. So, as we bring Tyler on, uh, Dick Heller really did turn his obstacles into launch pads, wouldn't you say, Tyler? I would say that for sure, absolutely. Well, welcome to the show. So what uh, what got you so fired up and involved with Mr. Dick Heller and this decision? Because you're a young person yourself. I mean, you, you, you're a millennial, right? Would you say that you're part of that generation? Oh, absolutely. And I actually... Uh, what got me so involved with in this movement was, you know, after graduating from the University of Delaware and running a uh, Students for the Second Amendment organization, which, by the way, had over 150 members uh, when I graduated, um, not on my own accord, of course, but with my help from my board members, um, mm-hmm. I just wanted to continue the fight. And I uh, I had the opportunity to meet uh, Dick Heller at a um, at a uh, at a court case in, D- in Philadelphia for a machine gun case from Texas. Hmm. And uh, that's where I met him, and we hit it off really well. Um, and I told him my story. He was in- impressed and excited 
that I am part of the next generation of the millennial generation. And he wanted to know how he could help. So I, uh, I already had my nonprofit 501c3 started and he was technically the first board member of that nonprofit, the second amendment Institute. That's so And uh, awesome. that was back in 2016. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. And when I look at all the young people who have just drank this Kool-Aid of rights restricting nonsense, and they really are spouting off nonsense because they don't even know what is in play. They don't know what what rights uh, are protected under the Constitution. They don't know what laws are in place in, in various areas across the country. And they just are spouting off this stuff that I have to believe in, you know, five or ten years down the line, they're going to look back on this permanent record that is out there on this thing called the Internet, and they are going to cringe and they are going to feel so uh, just aghast at themselves, what they bought into and believed. And so I'm so encouraged to see that, uh, you know, we haven't completely lost the fight for the, the next generations because you're an incredible example of, um, you know, the, the, the polar opposite of that. You're very... I appreciate that. Absolutely. You're very in tune. Well, you're very educated. Go on. I, well, I think for sure that we'll have an overwhelming majority of those who will look back and say, wow, I was, I couldn't believe I said those stupid things, but you're going to have the one, two, three percenters that are so, you know, brainwashed as it is David Hogg, Emily Gonzalez, Cameron Kansky, you know, these people that organized the March for our, um, our lives rally, which was just, uh, you know, an excuse to push, a new wave of stricter gun control, mm -hmm. um, they're never going to change their opinion. Uh, mm -hmm. Never. Uh, just because they're set in their ways, they're brainwashed. And I mean, these people don't even know what uh, an AR-15 is. They think it's an assault rifle. First of all, there's right. no such thing as an assault rifle. Right. And, and secondly, they think that uh, law-abiding citizens can purchase machine guns right. off the street with no background check. Right. I mean, these people are so twisted in their ideologies, and all they care about is pushing stricter gun control. They're, they're puppets of the extreme left, of CNN, of you know, um, you know Chuck Schumer, and all the other radicals that want to take away our guns. And I feel so bad for them because you know, I who I was at 17 versus who I am now at age 51, being a wife, a mom, and a grandma. You know, I would have hated to have been so publicly and, and worldwide, really, uh, been pigeonholed into something like this. And these these people who have allowed themselves to be, you know, kind of put in this position and brainwashed and shoved out in front of the cameras, or maybe they're running in front of the cameras now. I don't know. But but they really pigeonholed themselves for their entire life here on this planet and I, I really am compassionate for them it, when I look at them from a grandma's eyes you know it's like well you have a kinder heart than I do because I could care less about any of them <laughs> I, I, I well really they've could. really they are actively working against things that uh, impact millions and millions of lives for generations to come oh, so absolutely. I don't blame you for, for your stance absolutely <laughs> 
So let's talk about this celebration, this 10th anniversary. First of all, you know, for people that maybe are kind of new to this whole gun rights thing and they're trying to really understand where all the, you know, the points of contention are and that sort of thing. Can you give us just a, a brief overview of what Heller versus D.C. even was and why we are celebrating it 10 years later? Sure, I'll give the uh, 30-second elevator pitch. <laughs> so Dick Heller moves into D.C. 1976. D.C. passes the most strict gun control measures in the country. You cannot own a, a firearm within the district uh, even to protect yourself with this complete handgun ban. So other cities started following this new model. Like, well, if D.C. can do it, then we can do it. So you literally have these cities and states passing gun control, taking away guns from their citizens. So Dick Heller you know, challenges it um, through the case Heller uh, v. D.C., and this is at the appellate court level because in Washington, D.C., you go straight to federal. And he had standing. He won. Mm -hmm. And D.C. challenged it, petitioned to the Supreme Court, uh, and then in D.C. v. Heller in 2008, nearly, you know, almost 30 years later, you have Justice Scalia in a five-to-four opinion saying, you know what, the Second Amendment does protect individual rights to own firearms, and D.C.'s handgun ban is unconstitutional. So, you know, now D.C. has to reverse what they were doing, taking away the guns from their citizens, making them turn them in. Um, and then in 2010, in McDonald v. Chicago, Heller, so Heller was already federal, um, but in that case, McDonald v. Chicago, uh, it applied Heller to the states through the Tenth uh, Amendment. So, that the states absolutely had to follow that ruling now. So without Dick Heller, uh, we wouldn't have, you know, national, uh, you know, we wouldn't have constitutional carry. We wouldn't be able to get, you know, our concealed carry licenses. I honestly say that it's the most important, uh, one of the two most important Supreme Court cases in American history, hands down. So incredible. And he's a, another example of when somebody doesn't just say, oh, I'm just one person. What can I do? He was like, I am one person and I am going to press this through. And I don't think that we we can express how what a debt of gratitude we owe to him. But we are, are out of time almost. But we want folks to know about the celebration rally, about the celebration banquet, how they can uh, find out more about it by tickets for the banquet. So sure, go. Of course. Heller10.com, H-E-L-L-E-R-T-E-N.com. There's only about, I'd say, 25 tickets left of 120. Oh, wow. So this is the most historical Second Amendment event of the past, you know, decade. And if you're pro-2A, you want to be either at the rally at noon at the Supreme Court, which is free. And we got Ted Cruz, Massey, uh, yourself, Cheryl, and a bunch of other advocates so nationally exciting. known. And then the banquet is at 730 City Club of Washington, heller10.com. That's T-E-N.com. So exciting. Thank you so much for all that you do. And I am so looking forward to this. And I, I know you're going to sell out of those tickets and people are going to be begging for more. So uh, they will be. Tyler is a Gary. Thank you so much. For the Heller 10 Rally and Banquet. Check it out. Talk to you soon, Tyler. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Uh, Bye-bye. All right. Well, we have Dr. John Lott waiting in the wings. He 
Man, this guy is so busy. He has just been on all kinds of different news shows and written a bunch of op-eds. We've got lots to catch up with him. Dr. John Lott on the other side of these messages. When you're working hard to beat debt, you've got to think of creative ways to get your income up. Here's an idea. Sell some stuff at auction. Start with locally owned and operated potofgoldestate.com. The owners, Dan and Cheryl Todd, have over 60 years of combined experience in selling antiques, collectibles, guns, coins, and jewelry. And over their many years in business, they've earned the trust of thousands of people just like you. Whether you're saving for a rainy day emergency fund or paying down debt, let potofgoldestate.com help you get the extra cash you need. Potofgoldestate.com will purchase your items outright, or you can consign them to their twice-a-month online auction. Pot of Gold's nationwide online auction is a great place to get top dollar for your collectibles. They specialize in everything from antiques, coins, high-end collectibles, to cars, boats, guns, and more. Get started today at potofgoldestate.com, or visit them off I-10 and Dysart Road in Historic Avondale for some live auction action. For more information, visit potofgoldestate.com. That's potofgoldestate.com. Hey ladies, Cheryl Todd here from azfirearms.com. Many of us ladies are taking the important step of becoming responsibly armed, but it can be an intimidating process. And with all the politics swirling, a first-time gun buyer, whether a guy or a lady, might feel uncertain about where to begin and who to trust. At azfirearms.com, we are a small, friendly, family-owned shop that specializes in first-time gun buyers. We are staffed with knowledgeable people who are ready to help answer all of your questions. My husband husband Dan and I pride ourselves on having a safe, no-pressure environment. Once you have decided on a purchase, azfirearms.com partners with professional firearms instructors who will train you to become a responsible, safe, prepared, and proficient gun owner. So ladies and gents, when you are looking for personalized service and a huge selection, come to azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road or visit us on the web at azfirearms.com. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, this show is a proud member of the Self-Defense Radio Network. Find out more and check out all the great content at selfdefenseradio.net. Well, our theme today is obstacles or launch pads. And we always have so many obstacles being thrown in our way with the, the pursuit to protect and defend and restore our constitutional rights, our, our Second Amendment rights. And we need people who are able to help us in that pursuit. And Dr. John Lott is just invaluable to us because he helps make sense out of so much of the nonsense that gets thrown around out there by the politicians, by the what used to be called the nightly news and now is just a, oh my gosh, it's just a big gossip mill. But Dr. John Lott is the nation's preeminent expert on guns and the author of a number of books, including More Guns, Less Crime, and his latest, The War on Guns, Arming Yourself Against Gun Control Lies. 
John's work gives those of us who are protecting our Second Amendment rights a solid foundation of research. Welcome to the show, Dr. John Lott. Well, good to talk to you. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. It's been way too long. I'm so excited to catch up with you again. So much has happened since the last time we talked. And, you know, some of the biggest and most confusing news about our Second Amendment rights has been rooted in the comments being publicized from these high school students. And one in particular, this guy named David Hogg, speaking about the Parkland, Florida high school murders. What What is he getting wrong? And do you think he really just doesn't understand? Or do you think he's purposeful in the stuff that he's saying? Uh, well, I had the chance to talk to him, um, I guess, about a week, of, week and a half ago. Okay. Uh, we talked for about 40 minutes on the phone. And, uh, you know, I just... I just think he's obviously gone through a very emotional experience, and he is pretty much parroting what uh, he's being told by you know every town and other groups like that. I don't. He's just he's not a critical uh, consumer of these things, mm-hmm. and uh, um, uh, you know he's kind of a true believer. I, when we were talking, uh, he would raise points. He'd say, "Well, like." The big question that he finally left us with at the end when we were talking was, uh, you know, why is it that the United States is the only country that has all these mass public shootings that you just don't see this at all in other countries? How many times do you have to answer this question? (laughs) You answer this over and over and over again, but go on. And, uh, well, I mean, it's the type of statement that uh, obviously... uh, former President Obama, you meet over and over again. Yes. Uh, and a lot of people believe it. And, uh, you know, I sent him links with uh, detailed information uh, showing the high rate that these attacks occur in other places. But I never heard back again from him. So I don't know. I mean, at least on something like that and a couple other issues, I hope he knows what's correct on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I haven't uh, I haven't gotten any final feedback on whether he understands it or not. And there were other issues. You know, he makes pretty much the same types of normal comments that you see from others. Like, well, even you know, Republican senator like Rubio uh, talking about armed teachers. Uh, you know, he would say, well, you know, what happens if uh, uh, a teacher stops an attack and then the police mind show up and they shoot the teacher. Well, you know, my response to both Senator Rubio and, uh, and uh, David would be, we don't need to guess about these types of things. We have our website collected dozens of uh, mass public shootings in recent years that have been stopped by people with concealed handgun permits. And the types of concerns that are raised about uh, a police officer when they arrive on the scene shooting the permit holder or, um, you know, the permit holder accidentally shooting a bystander. Those are possible, but I just can't find any cases where that's occurred. And, 
you know, it'd make more sense to put a lot of weight on it if it was something that they could point to happening at least once or twice. But, um, you know, it's, uh, but yet you know, we have all these examples of what does happen and what uh, has happened and what will keep happening. And and all they've got is, well, what if this, you know, thing well, that's, that's never happened before? Gun, that's true for a lot of the gun control debate. I mean, I've seen it over and over again. I give people examples from uh, when I work with uh, airline pilots unions to... Uh, help pilots be able to carry guns on planes. You know, uh, I think very few people know the history of uh, that program in the past. People just tend to assume whatever the current rules are, those are what the rules have always been. And so you just look to see the fact that from like 1923 through 1963, all commercial airline pilots were mandated to carry a loaded handgun with them whenever they flew. Mm-hmm. Uh and from after that until 1979, it, they were given the option of being able to go and carry a loaded handgun with them. And so, you know, it's uh, you have literally hundreds of millions of cases where you can look at and the types of concerns that are raised about pilots getting into an argument with each other in the cockpit. <laughs> And shooting each other or other things. Right. Just you can't find any examples of that occurring. And, you know, things like uh, uh, problems with teachers caring is the same type of issue in the yeah. sense that, uh, um, you know, uh, we have now 20 states that have uh, teachers and staff being able to carry mm-hmm. uh, actually do have been approved by their local school districts as mm-hmm. being able to carry. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Utah has had this for 21 years. And of course, it's not just kind of a modern program where you see things adopted after the Federal Gun Free School Zone Act was passed. Mm-hmm. Kind of before that act came up, states had right to carry just didn't even have regulations on these things. And you just don't see problems that occur. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, um, you know, it's, I guess it's just kind of natural that people worry about uh, what might go wrong. Uh, but, you know, part of that's just because of the news media. The, con- the news media is constantly focusing on bad things that might happen with guns, well, uh, and I rarely think... giving discussions about the benefits. And I think it affects people's perceptions about the costs and benefits. Absolutely. And I think they also are, I have to believe it's purposeful. Like there's something magical and, and um, evil about the tool itself that, you know, taking it back to the pilots. So these these men and women, uh, they're logical, they're educated, they're all these things where they're able to take huge tubes into the sky filled with hundreds and thousands of people every single year. And they're, they're perfectly fine. They're not going to purposely crash the plane because they're getting in an argument with each other. But now you introduce a firearm and suddenly they're going to be, you know, doing a duel. Uh, you know, or, or shoot out at the OK Corral up there in the cockpit in the air. Like, what? Where is that logic train? <laughs> like, I don't even understand how they they formulate these thoughts and make them sound believable enough for anybody else to nod their head in a, in in agreement. It it's complete madness. But 
we definitely have heard them and you've definitely been trying to push back against them with true logic and truth and examples for years but I want to switch gears for just a second and I, I want to talk about a piece that you wrote in the National Review so you were talking about you know some of these quote-unquote fact checkers and it had to do with President Trump's speech at the NRA annual meeting so can you kind of lean into that and, and take us into what that piece is all about sure well I mean I guess I've had a lot of problems with fact checkers uh, over time on the gun issue. Uh, these people are no le less liberal than the media is generally. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we face a real problem with regard to inaccuracies with these fact checkers because uh, Facebook, uh, social media are using fact checkers to determine uh, whether certain types of news stories can be trending or not. Hmm. And uh, and that's going to have a real impact, again, on people's perceptions about how things work. And so, uh, you know, in the case of uh, Trump, I mean, I remember a lot of things recently. Uh, before the NRA National Convention, uh, they were going after the NRA and Trump for somehow a hypocrisy on uh, whether or not they had gun-free zones or not when uh, the president and vice president spoke. I mean, to me, that seemed like a pretty easy thing to explain, why you would have a different set of rules when the president would be speaking versus uh, when he's not there. Because mm -hmm. the rest of the convention, they had no problem with people carrying uh, mm -hmm. uh, handguns. Um, and it's the distinction there is that uh, when you're talking about a high-profile person like the president in a target, um, you know, one bullet can make a difference there. The, the advantage of having permanent concealed carry people when uh, you're talking about stopping mass public shootings is that speed to get somebody there to stop an attack is extremely important. Mm -hmm. And it, if somebody starts to shoot, uh, you have a chance to go and respond. There may be no chance to go and respond. You may have no warning uh, other than that first shot when you're trying to go and protect the president. And beyond that, unlike everybody else, the president and the vice president have a swarm of Secret Service agents who are already there, many of them already uh, not uniform, uh, protecting uh, those individuals. So I don't know. It's that seemed like an easy call, but mm -hmm. the media just would react and say, well, you know, uh, hypocrisy by the president and, uh, and the NRA. Yeah, uh, nice but try. <laughs> most, most recently, uh, when the president was at the convention, he used some facts that the Crime Prevention Research Center had put together. Uh, one of the facts that he had used was that... Uh, 98% of the mass public shootings since 1950 have occurred in places where general citizens are banned from having guns. Um, uh, fact checkers uh, were much more interested in taking a measure used by um, Michael Bloomberg's Every Town, uh, where, uh, and by uh, this other guy, Flower. Uh, 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 Ravis, I guess, uh, who would want to go and use 
things like uh, uh, residential shootings or gang shootings, or mm-hmm. uh, and um, you try to explain to them that there is a difference between mass public shootings and mass shootings. That mass shootings are overwhelmingly involving uh, gang type attacks. Mm-hmm. Now, gang attacks are important, mm-hmm. but the reason why the FBI has distinguish things that are quote, public types of attacks versus uh, all these is that when, the, when they're looking at the public ones, they're trying to get uh, some type of information on the attacks that galvanize people, that these attacks at schools or malls or other places where the sole point of doing the attack is to go and kill as many people as possible. And, and the point is pretty clear, I think, that you that the causes and solutions for gang fights over controlling drug turf are dramatically different than the, these other types of cases. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, we can talk about legalizing drugs or trying to reduce profits for drug gangs, uh, but that's not really relevant for these other types of mass public shootings. Um, and then you had the issue of what is a gun-free zone? So, for example... Um, uh, you know, Bloomberg and uh, the other definition there wants to go and say that, well, if police are allowed to carry in a place, that's quite distinct from, uh, uh, you know, civilians. And they'd say it's not distinct. And I would say that there is a big distinction. Having somebody in uniform there to go and guard a place, having one police officer is an incredibly difficult job. Mm-hmm. Uh, when these guys are going to attack, very often, if there's one police officer who's armed there, uh, he'll be the first person taken out. It's kind of like uh, being there with a neon sign above right. you that says, shoot me first. Right. And I'm, uh, I'm the only one that's going to resist you. So, duh. You know, who, right. so who are you going to engage out. first? Right. And so... Uh, the advantage of having concealed carry is that you take away that strategic advantage from the killer there. Um, and, uh, and you know, I, you know, I don't know. They may not want to acknowledge that. Unfortunately, uh, um, you know, the fact checkers don't want to either. Absolutely. Well, listen, we got to run to a commercial real quick, but I'm a, I'd like to ask you to stick around and, and go through another segment with us because I still have lots of questions. Do you have time? Sure. Absolutely. All right. Well, stick around. We have more with Dr. John Lott, the author of a bunch of books, but the most recent one is The War on Guns, Arming Yourself Against Gun Control Lies. Stick around. Hey everybody, this is Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan, world champion gunslinger and Hollywood gun coach. In the Westerns, there's always a good guy and a bad guy and sometimes the ugly guy. And I always root for the good guy, which is why I'm here to tell you about the good folks over at azfirearms.com. They are straight shooters and always give you the best deal in town. azfirearms.com is the biggest little gun shop in Arizona and have something for every single gun enthusiast. Long guns, pistols, hunting, 
military, law enforcement, home protection, you name it. And when you've got some guns to sell or trade in and trade up, azfirearms.com are the folks to see. Geez, they bought a cannon once. They are family-owned and operated, friendly staff, courteous, totally reliable. azfirearms.com will give you the best value for your used guns. So stop in, see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd at azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road and tell them Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan sent you. Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Potty Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Potty Gold Auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action. Or check them out on the web at PottyGoldEstate.com. The Second Amendment Foundation is the organization that protects our right to keep and bear arms. They defend our rights in courts from coast to coast. Now they need our help. Go to saf.org and join the Second Amendment Foundation today. Dedicated to promoting a better understanding of our constitutional heritage to privately own and possess firearms. Support those who support our Second Amendment rights today. That's saf.org. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, we are talking with Dr. John Lott. Now, Dr. John Lott is, wow, his work gives those of us who are protecting the second, our Second Amendment rights a solid foundation of sound research, and he's the author of multiple books, uh, two of which are More Guns, Less Crime, and his latest one, The War on Guns, Arming Yourself Against Gun Control Lies. And I just want to preface uh, all of that, uh, Dr. Lott, by saying that, you know, you're, you're not even necessarily a gun rights guy. You're a, you're a statistician, right? Right. Well, I don't to call myself a gun rights guy. Um, look, uh, one, one of my pet peeves is that uh, when I debate uh, gun control advocates, they're often referred to as individuals who want to, you know, violence prevention type. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'd like to believe that's what motivated me in this discussion, but the media will often say, you know, such and such is a violence prevention advocate and the person on the other side is a gun rights advocate. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, I like to believe that both, I I know I'd like to believe at least myself is, is uh, somebody who's trying to prevent violence. Mm -hmm. I would go and argue that the gun control advocates claims are more likely to result in death and violence uh, than, and you know, I, disagree with them. I don't think that they're doing it any more than the discussion we had at David Hogg earlier. You know, they're doing this to try to make sure people die. I just think that they're mistaken. Uh, I believe everybody's trying to do the same thing, though, and that is to try to figure out ways to save lives. Yeah, so, so important. Uh, Those distinctions are so important. Um, So, you know, before the break, we were talking about, you know, if you have you know, armed, uniformed people in schools versus, you know, and here's a misnomer even. Are we arming teachers? I don't know about that. I think why are we trying to disarm 
people who would normally carry who happen to be teachers like myself. I'm not a teacher, but I am a trained concealed carry firearms owner. So no matter what my day job is, that's just part of my wardrobe. That's part of who I am. That's part of how my brain works. And so if I happened to be a teacher, why would you force me to leave my firearm at home? I'm not going to change my behavior and, you know, kind of like the pilots in the air we were talking about. Suddenly I'm going to now, you know, uh, enact a duel with another teacher or, you know, something like that just because I've crossed that imaginary line from the rest of my life onto a high school campus or a college campus or whatever. But we're when we look well, at... I mean, I just, go ahead. Yeah, I don't... It's an interesting discussion because we have about 17 million Americans that carry uh, concealed handguns uh, in the country that we know have licenses. And, of course, now we're, you know, uh, like 13 states, 14 states, depending on how you count it, uh, have either all or virtually all their state where you don't have to have a permit to be able to carry. Um, so there, it's something above that. But, you know, you go to a lot of places, uh, you know, Pennsylvania has like, what, 12, 13 percent of the adult population with concealed carry permits. You know, you go to a mall, you go to a movie theater, you go to a restaurant. It's very likely that you're going to have somebody nearby you uh, who's carrying a permanent concealed handgun. But you would never know that they're doing it unless something bad were to happen and they'd be forced to go and use it. And the same thing would be true with these teachers. Uh you know, why would anybody even know that they're caring in, in those situations? Well, something happened just today, and Dan is showing me his phone about something that happened just now while we've been on the air, apparently. So, Hi, John. Hey, today, I, I'm reading this from USA Today, so I imagine that the sources are probably real. But in Dixon, Illinois today, a I suspect, oh, okay. yeah, he opened fire on a graduation rehearsal. And he was right. he was stopped by a armed uh, resource officer, so I don't know how big this will hit on the news, but he stopped a what could have been a mass shooting. Right. Well, there was a similar case just recently in Maryland, uh, where uh, uh, armed resource officer uh, stopped an attack too. Uh, both of those occurred after uh, the Parkland shooting, and of course. At the Parkland shooting, we all know that uh, the attack went on for six minutes, and like less than a minute after the attack started, you had uh, the deputy sheriff uh, kind of right outside the building, uh, not going in, but he could have gone in and obviously stopped the attack minutes earlier. I mean, he probably could have stopped it, you know, in less than two minutes if he had wanted to uh, try at least. I don't understand um, why he didn't go in the building, but really what I don't understand is if there's people inside the building that were unknown that had firearms, legally possessed firearms, they could have stopped this way early. Oh, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, look, there's a big difference. If you're a teacher and you're in a room or a staff member and you're stuck in the room and the person's coming up to your room, uh, you don't have much choice. Yeah. Either you're going to defend yourself or you're going to risk dying, too. Right. And uh, it's it's where somebody has to go and enter a building or something as a, this guy's case. But um, uh, but you know anyway, it just it seems easy. Um, you know, I don't. Uh, I guess I it 
it's not a puzzle to me. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And uh, one of the things, just before we run out of time, that I wanted to you know pick your brain about a little bit, um, on your website you've got uh, a survey that takes place every year. It's the National Association of Chiefs of Police. And every year they ask them, you know, um, basically, and they ask it in different ways. And the way you ask a question, you obviously know because you're a statistician. The way you frame a question sometimes can, you know, guide the answers that you get. But they, they always right. ask something like, how do you feel about citizens carrying concealed? Do you, do you consider them part of the, the solution to crime or part of the problem to crime? Um, this year, uh Tell us what the results showed and, and how the question was framed. Well, I mean, uh, you know, the reciprocity type of issue they've been bringing up for many years. Uh, the last two, uh, they've asked uh, kind of a simple version of, uh, of this question. They say, does your department support nationwide recognition of state-issued concealed carry permits? And they've had about 86% of uh of the police departments around the country that they've surveyed uh support that mm -hmm. uh prior to the last two years uh they asked it a little bit different way they said well uh, significantly different they said would national recognition of state issues concealed carry permits facilitate the violent crime fighting efforts of professional law of the professional law enforcement communities and in that case they have maybe 63 percent uh, I guess or, or 70. They had one or earlier one, 70 percent with slight variations on how that. And so, uh, you know, I don't think that there was a 20 percentage point change in one year in terms of or 10 points uh, in another time uh, in terms of the three different ways that they asked the question. But, um, uh, you know, it's obviously pretty strong support there. Uh, for the concept generally, and then maybe slightly less, but still a large majority of people when they ask kind of what's what will be the end result of it in terms of uh, helping law enforcement uh, reduce crime. Absolutely. You know, it's so similar to me, you know, when we th t talk about the way that questions are asked, when people are, you know, this, this statistic that you hear all the time that 90% or whatever the number is of American citizens believe that we need stricter gun control laws. That is, I believe that is completely false. I think what people are trying to express with their answers is I want to feel safer, right? Because they don't even know what the laws are. So how do they know they want stricter laws, right? right. So I think that things like that happen all the time, and well, you're in the mire the, of it, so you can really speak to that better than I could. Well, I mean, the big thing with the 90% or 80% is this survey question that asks them whether they support these universal background checks. Mm -hmm. I'm not even sure a lot of people understand it. I think most people just view it as a question, do you want to stop criminals from being able to go and buy guns? And the interesting thing is that uh, Michael Bloomberg has put these proposals up on the ballot in uh, states. Uh, in 2016, he had it on the ballot in Nevada and Maine. Uh, in Maine, he, despite massive spending, like uh, six to one more than his opponents, uh, the ballot initiative lost by four percentage points. I mean, you shouldn't have to 
spend six times more than the other side mm-hmm. uh, and lose mm-hmm. if, uh, if 95% or whatever of Americans support this or 97% of yeah. Americans support it. I just but want it's, uh, they just want to send the message out there that everybody agrees in every town yeah. and common Well, they just keep on repeating it, and the media wants to do it. Mm-hmm. And, it's just, and even, uh, uh, you know, earlier surveys, if they asked them a specific question about uh, uh, a particular bill that was before Congress, like the Manchin-Toomey bill, um, most Americans were satisfied with it going down to defeat. So it's... It matters a lot on how you ask the question there. Absolutely. Well, we have got to run, but thank you so much for spending so much time with us. And as we go out, Dr. John Lott, please tell folks how they can follow all the work you do. You uh, you are a volunteer-based uh, um organization you need donations to continue to do the work that you do uh you write amazing books that that people should really check out and get in their hands so just tell folks how they can uh stay tapped into all that you do well people can find the crime prevention research center at our website at crimeresearch.org um also subscribe to our uh, our website or our emails that we send out every couple weeks, which I hope people find useful Mm -hmm. that go through a lot of different issues. And, um, uh, you know, that's probably the best way of uh, keeping abreast of the information, subscribing to our website. Uh, And there's uh, a link near the top of the page where they can do that. And they can also send us an email, but uh, anyway, um, Uh, I appreciate you having me on. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Dr. John Lott. We will be talking to you again soon. Bye-bye. All right. Well, we still have our Responsibly Armed Citizen Report and Dan's Commentary. Coming right up. Stick around. We're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it, as in Arizona. Yes, but... Oh, or AZ, as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and sell my gun? Absolutely. azfirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment, staffed by knowledgeable people. azfirearms.com is Knolltown Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And for all your firearm and ammo needs, visit azfirearms.com. Come listen to the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Hear about armed civilians protecting people they love. Were they lucky or were they prepared? Come listen and learn at selfdefensegunstories.com. For straight shooting, look to the biggest little gun shop in the West, azfirearms.com, where they have everything you need to be a safe and responsible gun owner. Huge selection and a friendly and knowledgeable staff. 
They're my nationwide hometown gun shop, and you should make it yours, too. And when you go, tell them old Don Collier sent you. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. Well, this is the part of the show that I really, I just feel honored to be able to, actually, I feel honored to be able to interact with all the amazing guests that we have on. But the Responsibly Armed Citizen Report is so near and dear to my heart because armed citizens use guns 2.5 million times a year for self-defense and 200,000 times a year a woman prevents a sexual assault because she was armed. Somehow we never hear these stories on network news, so we are proud to bring them to you here on Gun Freedom Radio. Fights a never-ending battle for truth justice and the American way. Today's story is chilling and creepy. It is the stuff of scary movies, but it is all too real. And ironically, it's the kind of story we would have heard about on all of the network news channels if the hero had actually instead become a victim. So imagine for a moment that you're a mom with a couple of kids. School is still in, so you wake up early, just like every weekday, and you go through your morning rush to get the kids up, showered, dressed, fed, and off to school before the second late bell chimes. You get back home with your own to-do list swirling in your head, appointments to make, appointments to keep. You realize you forgot to buy milk again. And as you work your way back to your bedroom and prepare to get your own shower for your day, you realize that something, something isn't right. Something, it feels off, but you can't immediately put your finger on what it is that's making you feel uneasy. Your purse is still on your shoulder, so you instinctively reach in and you put your hand on the tool that you carry with you to defend your, your life and the lives of your children. Then you, you hear something. It's, you hear something in your closet. Something's rustling in your master bedroom closet. And the thing that was causing you to feel uneasy becomes very clear. You can smell, literally smell danger. Danger who is hiding in your closet. Danger who is in your bedroom. Danger who is between you and the doorway you need to take, to run away to where it is safe. In a split second, not even the full length of a second, you are standing face to face with danger. In the form of a man twice your size with evil in his eyes, and terrible plans for you lurking in his heart. This is what one young woman faced recently on a normal, ordinary spring morning. The sanctity and security of her home shattered by the presence of danger, but she was able to stop the danger that was 
lurking in her closet and lunging at her throat. And she was able to save her own life because she is a responsibly armed citizen. Deputies responded to reports of a burglary. When they arrived, the caller was outside of the building. She told deputies that a man had broken into her apartment. Deputies searched the apartment and found the suspect dead in the bedroom closet. Investigators are now working to determine if the shooting was justified. A person got a right to defend themselves. Doug Sweeney says his niece left to drop her two kids off at school. When she came home, she noticed a strange smell and found a man in the closet. That's when she shot him. I'm sorry that a person died off of this, but it is what it is. A person didn't have no business breaking in someone's place. Sweeney says his niece works at a club and has a concealed weapons permit. He says the suspect had been harassing her. He had already threatened that he was going to hurt her and the children. Sweeney says she's pretty shaken up after the incident. She's hysterical. I mean, quite natural. Anytime something like this, you know, you're hysterical and uh, upset. But, it, you know, it's, it's a sad situation. But I'm glad she's okay. In South Carolina, under the Stand Your Ground law, a person who is under attack in their own home has the right to use deadly force. Brenna McDavid, WYFF News 4 in Greenville. I was born in 1955. You know the first thing that my mama taught me? Hmm. Never mess with a woman's closet. <laughs> I don't think she was defending the closet, but... Uh, he was in her closet. I mean, that is the creepiest story. It is, and, and All another humor lesson. aside. Another, if you're going to break in someone's house, take a bath first. <laughs> oh Come on. Thank you for pointing out the most salient pieces of that story, Dan. I feel the like I understand stinks. it deeper at the a deeper level stinks. now. The whole story stinks. And it makes you wonder, was it his cologne? Did he need a bath? Like, what was going on there? But again, that is not the key point here. But... Um, so creepy. I'm so, so thankful that she um, was a safely and responsibly armed citizen. Right, because he was after her. He, he was definitely after her. Oh, absolutely. He didn't break in the house to break in the house. No. He broke in the house to get her. Yeah, the uncle said they'd been threatened. Uh, she and her children had been threatened by this man. All right, it is time for Dan's Commentary. Tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. This is an article I read from the NRAILA. Uh, Anti-gun Democrat proposes banning semi-autos, and he's going after resistors. Did you hmm. hear that? What does that mean? Going after resistors. Congressman Eric Salwell, a Democrat from California, is advocating for legislation to ban as yet determined class of firearm, uh, semi-automatic firearms and to go after resistors who refuse to relinquish their lawfully required firearms, acquired firearms. He said on a lengthy NBC News interview that least anyone mistake his intentions, he wants to make clear that his own proposal is a departure from prior gun bans that allowed those who obtained the firearms when they were lawfully owned to be able to keep them. Hmm. He came up with a different way to address the issue, and the only way to do this is to get those weapons out of our communities. Hmm. So basically he's saying that even if you legally held your gun, now that this new law that they want to pass, now you can't own a gun, period. So 
I want to give Eric some credit. At least he's telling three quarters of the truth. He is admitting he wants honest gun owners to give up their semi-automatic guns. Types to be determined at another time. Hmm. The one quarter percent he's not telling you and that nearly all anti-gun supporters aren't saying is they want all firearms off the streets and away from responsible gun owners. That's the bottom line. First, they want to take your semi-automatic rifles, then the AR types, and they want to take other semi-automatic rifles because they fire very similar to an AR-15. Mm -hmm. Then they say bolt-action rifles are too powerful and need to be outlawed as well. And you know, the military uses those too. Mm -hmm. But wait, semi-automatic pistols also hold several rounds and they want to go. They want them to go. Mm -hmm. Oh no, revolvers are scary and they can't be allowed to be owned by the servants. Mm. Finally, we got all the above firearms away from responsible citizens. We might as well just take all of them. Yeah. Right? Take all of them. Yeah. This may sound far-fetched, but I remember that not long ago, my father, who was a founder of the Arizona Gun Owners, Gun Owners Association during the mid-1970s, and when the United States was controlled by liberal Congress, that several bills designed to restrict firearms on American citizens were in the works. One is still fresh in my mind, the move to eliminate Saturday night specials. Senator Bay wrote Senate Bill S-1880, a Saturday, a Saturday night special uh, control proposal that would ban the so-called firearms. His goal was to get cheap firearms off the street. However, the bill described most every handgun that was produced at the time. Mm -hmm. The bill had 45 points that a revolver must meet to be lawful. Also, the bill had 75 points that a semi-automatic pistol must be met to be lawful. If the law passed, it would have made 60% of the handguns in the 1970s unlawful, including Colt Pythons and Smith & Wesson. So when you hear someone say, we need more gun control, common sense gun control laws, remember the ultimate goal. If James Brown was going to write a song about what he would name the title, it would be, living in America, you got to vote. Hey. Gotta vote. Gotta be involved. I, I couldn't agree more. We are so out of time, but I, I thank you for that, Dan. And I want to thank our tech crew, our amazing listeners, our awesome guests. Please keep the conversation going. We are listening on social media. Uh, please reach out to us. And until next time, pray for our nation. Pray for our leaders. All of them? All of them, Dan. Even the ones you don't like. I'm thinking about it. Maybe especially the ones you don't like. Be good to each other. Have a great week and God bless. Our founding fathers here in this country brought about the only true revolution that has ever taken place in man's history. Every other revolution simply exchanged one set of rulers for another set of rulers. But only here did that little band of men so advanced beyond their time that the world has never seen their like since evolve the idea that you and I have within ourselves the God-given right and the ability to determine our own destiny. But freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, 
that you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Hey gang, this is Masad Ayub from the Pro Arms Podcast. I'm here to remind you that our podcast is a member of the Self-Defense Radio Network. And I'm going to suggest you do what we do and check out the other podcasts at selfdefenseradio.net.